0: All right, perfect. Welcome to a second instalment of the Conversations With series. Uh, today we have another brilliant mind, um, someone who I've learned a lot from uh, on social media. Um, I'll let them introduce yourself. Would you like to go ahead?
1: Hi, yeah, my name is uh, Oscar Wolf. And I was former deputy leader of the political party, but now I'm kind of just Going into activism and other little bits and pieces So yeah, it's uh, it's great to be on uh, Thank you for letting me join
0: Perfect, thanks for coming on Oscar Oscar is, again, a brilliant mind on social media um, As well as in real life I met Oscar at a, uh, wasn't it the, the Trade Union Congress protest? right? Yeah,
1: it was, TUC like match in London, yeah
0: Yeah, per- exactly So Oscar's a, a brilliant mind both in on social media and in real life um, attending uh, numerous rallies and political events um, in the United Kingdom. Uh, obviously, this is the Ministry of African Propaganda, so, you know, wherever possible, um, it, it would be cool if we could discuss uh, imperialism, colonialism, or any Africa-related news. However, Africa has a huge diaspora uh, all over the world, and what happens in the United Kingdom does impact Africans both at home and abroad. Um and with that said let let's get straight into straight into rambling so um one thing i had on my mind was the cost of living crisis uh which is obviously sadly um, impacting us all in the united kingdom um as well as again everyone all around the world right i feel like everyone is tightening their belts everyone's having to you know count their pennies and um you know, just just fear for the future, right? And right, would you feel like I'm right in saying that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, what we need to definitely remind ourselves is that the cost of living crisis is uh, it's a political choice. It's a policy like, that's been implemented across the majority of like, Western um, political parties. Um, like we've been in austerity for 12 years now and that's going to impact on cost of living crises Um, and it's not just in the UK as you said it's other other places around the world as well um, and they're also experiencing this this whole situation Um, and there's 100% a political choice to go into it like we've seen in other countries as well then um, that other areas are because the governments are actually doing doing things, <laughs> should we say, <laughs> to try and help? But yeah, it's definitely something that like we're all kind of. It's all coming to to a front um, oh. now more than ever, more than it ever was before.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, just to just to pick up on, on one thing that you said there, the fact that this is happening after twelve years of austerity, that that it really um, describes how much of a I don't want to describe it as a pickle because obviously, you know, it's it's a lot more serious than that, right? Because unfortunately people will pass away, right? People will die because of what's happening in the, in the UK. And, and this has been happening for the past 12 years. Um, I can't uh, like recall it off the top of my head, but there was a United Nations report. It might have been the Human Rights Council that condemned austerity uh, for the mere fact that it, it has killed um potentially thousands of of disabled people, right? Um, It has killed people who, you know, otherwise in in, in other nations, uh, let's say Sweden, let's say Germany, um, you know, would have been accounted for, right? Or would have received the support um, that they deserve, first and foremost as human beings, but secondly, as taxpaying citizens, right? Or people whose friends and families, Pay tax, right? We don't pay tax for no reason. We pay taxes so that you know when when we're in a rainy day, the state will be there for us, right? We pay taxes so that no child has to go hungry. We pay taxes so that everyone um has a roof of, of over their heads. But in the UK, we're not getting that, right? We're not getting our money from our taxes. We're, we're paying high rates of tax and getting fuck <clears throat> all back.
1: Yeah, hundred percent And you know, there's like videos of it was when um, 2019, when that election was going on, and there was like those videos of those kids that were like on TV. That was like, sometimes I don't eat twice a day because we need to make food last in the house. And you're like, as a 10-year-old kid saying that, and then we've got people who are in government now who have um, <clears throat> discounted food on caviar because 80K is not enough to live off for them. So, you know, there's this whole imbalance and whole injustice for a lot of different people. And as you said, people have died from it. People are going to die from it. Um, and it all kind of stems back from the whole policy of cuts. <laughs> you know, David Cameron, we have to cut. We have to cut here. We have to cut a little bit here. We have to do this. And people need to just tighten their belts. And I hate that saying so much, but mm-hmm. people have to tighten their belts. Um and just, you know, it's, it's like, no, people don't need to do that. Like, we, yes, we're in a system of capitalism where everything is all about material gain and who can get richer more and more, who can get more rich, etc. But you know, we're also all human beings. We all deserve the a, a right to eat three times a day or however however long, however much you want to eat, but eat sufficiently, should I say, um, mm. right for housing, for medical care, for, you know, if you can't work or you, you don't want to work, because, you know, there's people that that don't want to work, but you should be able to have enough funds to live. So, yeah, 100%. Like, um, And I think this winter is going to be the first time that people are really going to, when I say first time I say like middle class people because it's already been called the cost of living because it's now affected in middle class people mm-hmm. um but they're going to start seeing the impacts of of the cost of living now um, so yeah I 100% agree with you with what you've said um with all of that completely yeah. agree
0: Definitely. And on, on that point, like <laughs> the middle classes, man, uh, listen, I have a special disdain for the middle classes because I, you know, as you put it out, this has been happening for the past 12 years minimum, right? Obviously if we looked, um before that, right, we can see, uh, you know, similar periods of, of, of struggle and difficulty for working classes in, in Britain for the past like 50, 60 years, Um but the middle classes have been aware of this, right? They've been aware of this constantly. They were aware of this uh during Thatcher, right? Um, during the winter of discontent back then, uh, during similar squeezes on, 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 on the working classes, the middle class, sorry, the middle classes were aware the entire time. And correct me if I'm wrong yeah, I'm not the best at British domestic history, but um, it was only during the, the poll tax riots, right? Uh, which which was a thing because it, too, it, 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 affected the middle class, right? That was another yeah. piece of legislation that affected the middle class. So it's only when they get affected, when they get impacted, as you pointed out, that they truly make it and turn it out to be, you know, the crisis that it always was for the working classes. Um, and 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 I don't know, in terms of, like, how do we deal with that? I guess all I can see is, Either we empower the working classes with, you know, the, the strength and the voices that that we need and, and that, you know, possibly we already have so that, you know, we can speak out and we can, um, you know, cause disruption and, and and make something a crisis when it affects us, right? It's shit that it has to be a crisis only when it affects the middle class, right? And it doesn't need to be that way if, you know, working class voices, working class organizations, working class platforms are empowered um, so that you know we have as much political sway and political capital, perhaps as as the middle classes. That's that's one way of, of um, dealing with it. But the the other that comes to mind for me is perhaps, I guess, appealing to the middle classes. I don't really want to say that, but it seems like yeah. right.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think this is one of those situations where we have to kind of. Um, I would say dismantle the class system entirely because that was created by the the well upper, the upper classes like the the bourgeois people shall we say um mm. the people that are in power like it was a way to kind of fit everyone into different categories so these people deserve and these people deserve that and you know there's even been studies of the underclass as well there's like it is it goes even further than working class it goes to underclass as well um mm. from different from different academics as well so like i think it's we have to you know dismantle the whole class structure because it's like you're one paycheck away from being homeless sometimes or you're you're like a job away from being upper middle class to working class like it can happen so quickly um what you think of is the housing crisis from 2008 2010 a lot of people that were in development of housing back then were probably very well off because housing was was doing well back then like people were selling homes and things were going well and then the housing crisis happened and the crash market and all that kind of stuff happened and a lot of people lost a lot of their assets mm-hmm. within housing so they went from being people that were very well off to not pretty much overnight like in the grand scheme of things so i think it's i think it's a mixture of what you said to be honest man it's a mixture of kind of saying to people look you are only really one step away from being working class. And then saying to the working class people, like, I, I think the best quote that I think I've ever heard is that the working class man, uh, in a generalized concept, the working class man is one conversation away from socialism to understanding okay. it. And okay. like, I think that just resonates to a lot of people because especially with Corbyn now, like a lot of people are like, ah, oh, you know what? universal health healthcare sounds amazing and you're like well that's that's pretty much socialism like and if we're going to do really broad terms here like or you can talk to them about other different policies and they're like oh yeah yeah i love all of that and you're like yeah because we're only one conversation from with people from having these conversations where people are like oh you know what this government is not that good, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> you, you you can do that, and um, and I think like the middle class just needs to realize that there is no middle class in the grand scheme of things. Like you're just you've got a little bit more wealth than another person, but you could lose that tomorrow, and we could be in the same boat. But yeah, I think it's I think it's a mixture of things, but I think we definitely, for me personally as a as a white person, I think my thing is, um creating a platform in which voices that are usually not heard are now heard again. That's mm. what I consistently try and do in, in what I want to do. So um, I did in the former job description, as I mentioned before, I did it then and I continue to try and do it now. And I think that's the only way that we'll ever probably get anywhere, especially in this country, especially here.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely 100% groovy on that. Um and uh, you know on, on that note, um how would you you know having been the former deputy leader of a of a registered um British uh, political party, how would you best or what would you best envisage as, as you know the most efficient uh way or or path or platform or organization for affecting all of that change that you've mentioned you know for or pushing um all of those aims and goals what would you say is the best the best route to that would you say through party politics um or perhaps trade unionism or anything
1: else i would i would say this is where we shouldn't limit limit ourselves i think party politics is all good it's all fine people want to do it they need they can do it that's no problem but it's going to the way that the structure of party politics is, is being established through hundreds of years in this country is that it's predominantly white cis men who go through the Oxford and Cambridge route. That's predominantly how it's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you want to do party politics, you're going to have to get used to being hated by a lot of people. Um, in terms of your views especially if you want to change things so i think it's a mixture of like yeah do party politics that's fine trade unions great but then there's the other issue where it's like trade unions really don't listen to other voices like Mm. um like the black community or the asian communities like they don't really listen to those particular voices because there's different needs for different people and then i think like being in your community as well and listening, like I personally from, from for myself is I've spent a lot of my time listening to people's voices because, mm. you know, I don't want to speak over people. Like that's the biggest thing is like you, if you want to be an ally to to the working class in all of its intersectionality, you firstly have to recognize your your role in that. So for me, I'm a white trans guy that's that's who that's how I describe myself so um when I'm talking I'll talk on like issues around trans people but not black trans people or Asian trans people or Chinese Mm -hmm. you know I won't speak on those issues I'll speak on the white but then if it's a case of oh you know what I know this person and they'll be better explaining this than I can so I'm going to bring them into my Platform or to bring them up so their voice is heard. I think it's a mixture of like three different things to me is, you know, working within trade unions, working political, like, you know, party politics. But the biggest one is within your own communities. Like, if you can bring a community together and collectively vote out someone who isn't doing what they need you to do and put someone in who is going to represent you. You've done all three of those like so at once. Like you brought mm. the community together, you played in a little bit of party politics, but you are also united together as well. So I think it's it's not like I don't think people should limit themselves as to what they should and shouldn't do or what they want to get involved in or not get involved in. I think it's just you you have to recognize that party politics is not going to change things right now, especially if you're not within the uh current structure of uh who's currently there you know you, you know what i'm talking yeah. about yeah like, yeah like those types of people like if you're not within that structure like and you want to make a change you can but you're not going to be heard of. whereas if you bring the community together and you work and you talk to each other and listen to each other that does way more than um, just getting. A single in, person. Yeah, just getting in as counsellor being like I'm gonna change everything because you're not <laughs> like you're, you're not you're, you're not gonna do that. Like um I think that once you stand in solidarity with people and you listen to people, it it changes the game. Like it mm. it absolutely changes the game. So I think if people want to do it, then I would definitely not limit yourself to just one area of expertise, shall I say? Um you definitely need to bring other voices in and you definitely need to listen as well that's definitely what i would say
0: i totally agree with you that i can definitely agree with that um strong communal approach to things and uh you know you're right in that you, you know you can silence an individual but you can't silence a community right or you can't at least silence the community as easily as you can an individual and um you know this is a critique i've always had of, of um uk party politics right because we tend to Individualize um, a a movement, right? Or we tend to look at a movement through its it, it, through the individuals at the head of of a movement, um, and and this sucks, right? It sucks so much because one, these movements create these individuals. It's not the other way around, right? So when we look at um, Corbynism and the twenty nineteen Corbyn manifesto, as much as I have you know lots of love for Jeremy Corbyn, those ideas are not his, right? Like these ideas preceded him. You know, they, they came before his day, um, and, and, and they came, uh, you know, during his time, uh, you know, from people who worked with him, right. People like-minded, um, yeah. souls like john McDonnell, um czar sultana just to name a few individuals i mean really like the the mass of of act, labor activists shared all of these same values and after corbyn these ideas still exist right these are ideas are still yeah. politically relevant and wildly popular but because it's all been attributed to corbynism and and just him as 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 an individual again i love corbyn i'm not you know condemning him or, or criticizing him i think he's he's a great leader and he would have been so good for uk politics however you know when you reduce um a movement or any political um uh platform to an individual then you know it goes down with that individual clearly right it it sunk with corbyn um and it's such a great fucking shame. It's such a great fucking shame because, again, all these policies are brilliant and, and very much needed, right? The COVID-19 pandemic showed us that free broadband was a marvellous idea. Um, funding the NHS and, and, you know, making sure that all of our uh, pandemic uh, preparedness stocks were, you know, up to date. You know, making sure that instead of cutting things, we were funding things that would have saved lives. Right? It would have saved actual yeah. lives, potentially thousands of lives. Corbyn's what I mean to say here. Corbyn's uh, platform is great, but because in the UK and you know this includes the British left, we tend to you know individualise politics, focus on 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 the man, on on the person, on the you know the one person at the head of the uh, the movement, rather than the movement itself. It, it's just a shame yeah. that you know these policies have gone down with the person at the head of the movement. And I don't know. I, I guess I don't want us to make that mistake again in the future. You know, I don't want us to.
1: I think. To I, yeah, I think this is you. You've said the really important thing here is that I've had loads of people like when I was involved in the party. I've had loads of people say to me, "Do you think Corbyn's going to get back in? Do you think?" You know, he's going to go back to frontline politics, like, and then you know, this whole thing with Mick Lynch as well. And, you know, these are fantastic individuals, like in terms of their policies and what they stand for and the community. But once you individualize a movement, like that's that's the that's the reason why that the left is always so splintered as we individualize movements rather than mm. allowing it to be a movement because that's what it's meant to be. Yeah. Once you individualize that, like, you've, it's gone. Like, yeah, you, yeah. Can't, you can't move forwards with it because what we're seeing now is we're seeing loads of people who are politically homeless now because mm. Corbyn's not head of a political party and that's all they followed. Like, they follow the policies but they followed the person instead of the policies and the movement. So mm. when I say I, I got in so much trouble on Twitter, when I said we need to move on from Corbyn, because <laughs> everyone was like, oh my God, you can't say that. Like He, he was an amazing man. You can't, we can't move on from him. And I'm like, no, we have to. Like For us to yeah. evolve and for us to change things, we have to move on from the person and use the legacy and the fight that this person has given us to propel ourselves forward and to move forwards and now you've got people who are like oh my god mick lynch for new pm like no like (laughs) why are we doing this like like why are we putting you know these obviously these are great individuals and we're not saying that they're not but why are we doing the same thing that we're doing all the time which is like let's put this man in in power like let's not do this. Make because, the same mistakes, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because, you know, Nick Lynch and, you know, Jeremy Corbyn, they're, they've, they've been doing the fight for a very long time. And what we need to do is we have to use the legacy that they give us and the fight that they give us to create a movement. Like, I think the best examples that we can really kind of draw upon in terms of a movement that made, didn't, probably hasn't made fundamental radical change but has brought a lot of things to light is the black lives matter movement in mm-hmm. america there was no one that spearheaded that like there was no individual person it was a collective movement of a whole community coming together and organizing and using a whole summer like it was from like what may until like winterish time because covid and everything mm-hmm. um, it was a whole movement that did it like there was up and down that country and it and it wasn't just one person that spearheaded it because it was a movement and that's that's what we have to we have to move away from this individualistic approach of like this one person is going to save us because that's not going to (laughs) happen we have to (laughs) we have to come together and save each other and save ourselves like as a collective movement and I don't even like I just think that the left is people always say that the left will never come together or anything like this and I always just say to people like it will but we have to move away from just individualistic people leading Mm. it the reason why the right movement is always winning or seems like it's always winning is because there will be individual people but it's all like created hatred of movement that moves that whole kind of ideology forwards it's just hatred like and that's a movement in itself so what we have to do as people on the left is use the same approach but in the right way Mm -hmm. instead of just allowing like one individual person but yeah I can't tell you how how much trouble I got in from all of the Corbynistas. <laughs> when I said that, I was like, oh no.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely, no offence to them, but sometimes quite cultish they can be. Um, yeah, no, no, I definitely agree with, with a lot of, of what you said there. And I think, you know, on, going back to BLM very quickly, like, yeah, when you think about it, really, it, it was a, a collective movement, as you said, driven by slogans rather than people, right? Because, you know, yeah. you're spot on there. We can't really recall any particular names that led it, but we, we, everyone knows, you know, no justice, no peace. Everyone knows all of the slogans and chants that were, that were, um, you know, shouted passionately in Atlanta, in Los Angeles, um, in Boston, New York, as well as on the other side of the Atlantic, you know, in London, in Brighton, where where I was at the time, um, in Paris too, the same slogans, you know? So this definitely was an international, um, anti-racist movement driven by slogans, not people. Um, with that said, I have many critiques of, 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 of BLM, um, because of the organization, right. Uh, as we've, as we've come to find out that, um, there was a particular organization that, that, you know, got millions, right. Got an incredible amount of, um, funding and, and, you know, unfortunately we didn't see that, um, you know, turned back into the community, right, or given back to the community um, as much as we would have, you know, liked to see. Um, so to some extent, I guess that kind of, um, I guess, shows a need to, you know, again, to some extent for some leadership, right, or, or for of um, perhaps better community control over our movements, right, so that, um, yeah. you know, greedy people and self-interested people don't, you know, exploit and appropriate for their own um you know personal gain uh but with that said
1: yeah there's definitely there definitely needs to be leadership but Mm. not a individual leader yeah Yeah. (laughs) like there needs to (laughs) there needs to be people behind it who can drive it forwards um but not to be like i'm the leader of this movement yeah you gotta, you gotta like knock your pride down and your ego a little bit when you're doing this, and you gotta be like, right, I might not be in history books, but the fundamental goal is this, and yeah, we need to yeah, by this, hundred um, percent, so. yeah,
0: yeah, it needs to be exactly that. It has to be, it has to be, and like, you know, on, on what you said about history books, that reminded me of um of you know what what you are saying earlier, it made me think about how the right. As you said they're all about leaders and individuals right this is their game um and the left shouldn't be about that we should be about the people we should be about mass movements with leadership um but i think this is because of uh british history right when we look at um english history at least uh, you know we we don't really learn of the people right we don't learn of the english masses we don't learn of, of you know um the english working class we learn of the kings and queens throughout the years and centuries, right? We start with um, 1066 quite quite often with William the Conqueror, but we can never name a single one of the soldiers that fought at the Battle of Hastings. I can't name any, right? I can't name any of them. Um, Same with, uh, I guess, if we go to you know, the hundred years war against France. You know, we know the kings and queens of, of of England and France, but we don't know any of the people who were living in that time, the people who formed the armies, the people who are in um in mills, you know, cutting down trees, actually building the country, right? Building the the wealth and the productivity of the country. We never learned their names. We never learned their stories, right? How they lived. Um Obviously, you know we do in 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 like you know if you go to university and you specifically want to study this stuff, then sure you can, right? But in primary school and in high school, you t- tend to not really learn about this stuff. And I hope that's changed since my time. But um, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? The role of uh, British education in um, shaping the the British political mind?
1: I think. Um... Our education system is, I don't know if this is an actual word, but I'm going to make it a word today. Um, It's propaganda, like a lot of propaganda. Um, Yeah. Because you've got like this whole situation where people are like learning, not even going back as far as that, but like just in terms of the last hundred years, shall we say, where it's all like Churchill is amazing. And you should love him, <laughs> you're like. Yeah. And then, just in that one example, and you're there, like as a kid, you're like, "Oh my god, yeah!" Like he's amazing, and then you learn about it more, and you're like, "Oh my god, he was a horrible person." So, like, um and just in that, like, I think our education system is built a lot like America's, where it portrays the British history. Uh, kings, queens, um, wars, generals, um, prime ministers, politicians—in such so you can't, you don't make an effective criticism of it. Like, mm. unless I mean, unless they're like centuries old. Like, we we can criticize Guy Fawkes, and we can literally do a bonfire night of someone who wanted to blow up Parliament because in reality the system at that time was it was poverty yeah (laughs) and he and he wanted better (laughs) and that's the reason and then you learn oh he was a horrible he was a terrorist and he was a horrible person and all this and you like actually he probably did what the majority of us are wanting to do right now which is just (laughs) get rid of that building and uh just come Upheave the whole political spectrum and field, um but it's and then you you come in a little bit closer, like I said, to like Churchill, and then you learn about all of the British history, and it's all kind of like the British did no wrong. Like we were a bit, mm. we were a bit unfair here and there, but we did no wrong, and that's how people are brought up. So when you look at when you then equate that to how people politically feel, it is literally. A case of, well, what are they meant to think? Like they're mm. just obviously going to be like, oh, there's like right and left, but the right and left of our country is like, the left is Tony Blair and the right is Thatcher. Like that's that's what you get. That's what you get from the education system. So I don't think it gives people enough to criticize. I think if you if you're going to do an education system, you have to show good, bad, and ugly. Because that mm. only when you do that, you can properly kind of politically and even just in yourself, kind of just look at the current structure and the current state of this country and be like, I can actually form an opinion. <laughs> mm. um, because even if you're just looking at Churchill or even Atley as well, like if you're looking at these two people and they're like, oh, they did amazing, but then you actually learn of the horrors that they've actually been attributed to it completely changes how you view what happened in that era. Mm. Um, So I think, it, it, you know, the whole British education system is probably as bad as America, um, except I guess we teach geography here. So (laughs) maybe maybe not as bad, but definitely there's a lot of propaganda in it in terms of how they teach the whole system. and even just politics, learning at A level as well, it's all kind of we're going to teach everything was amazing. Um, but communism is bad, like that's another thing as well. So I think it, I think it's just there's a lot of propaganda within it. There's a lot of kind of we're not going to teach people the full truth of everything, and that kind of creates a barrier for people thinking politically um, in a way that you can kind of just look at all aspects of the political field and really kind of I mean you're a PhD student you right? say so, I mean like you, in terms of like education like um you can look at it from all different angles and really kind of criticize and evaluate different aspects and if you if you don't have all of that information you can't do that um not to say that you can't learn it but you you're already kind of behind in your way mm-hmm. of thinking because you haven't been given all of the facts so I think our education system needs to be massively upheaved in the way that we can't show the British history in a in a in a positive light it's shown at the moment I guess.
0: Yep I'm in total agreement with you there I definitely and, and you know for for the reasons you outlined um, particularly you know, having all the facts, right? When when we make decisions, when we analyze and critique and try to understand things, you know, we need all the facts. You're right. We need all the facts to make a right, um, sorry, my dog's just distracting me. a right and uh, informed decision, right? We need all the facts. This is just the fact, right? The, the matter of yeah. fact is we need all the facts. And right now we're not being given all the facts. And it's, it's very sad and strange because, you know, conservatives and people on the right, they will always, claim objectivity, right? They will always claim being in the right. They're looking at the, at the facts. They're not being emotional like us. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're sticking with the science. Literally, as the government said um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, right? We're listening to the science and so we're listening to the facts. Um, uh, not, you know, not to critique it, I did think, you know, the lockdowns were, were necessary, etc. and so on. But, you know, many times the government ignored the science, right? Many times the government ignored the facts because they prioritized profit over uh, you know the, the safety of people, right? Instead of um, you know, mandating uh face masks, instead of, you know, calling in earlier lockdowns um and, and listening to scientific advice when it was necessary, they ignored it because they didn't want to, you know, harm the economy, right? The economy was literally prioritized over human lives. Um and you know I'm mentioning this because it's just really sad that You know, the people who claim to be the party of science or the party of the facts or the party of the truth are nothing close to that, right? They couldn't be further away from the facts because they ignore all the facts that don't suit, that doesn't suit their agenda, right? They dismiss um, all of the historical realities um, that that serve to, sorry, that serve to uh, paint empire um, in a bad light, right? Right. and, and again, you know, if we are to be truly progressive, or if we are to make the best decisions, if we are to, uh, you know, be really scientific and as objective as possible uh, in our political understandings, then we need all the facts. And right now we are not getting all of the facts and that needs to change. Um, so yeah, the, I, I think that change can come in two ways. I think uh, in terms of education, as you mentioned as well, we need a, a massive overhaul of the British education Asia, sorry, education system, uh so that we teach empire as it truly happened, right? Not just this polished, uh pretty version of it that that we get in school. Um we need to teach uh we need to teach that people matter more than the economy, right? Um, at least in my uh experience, I feel like the economy was always prioritized above people or, you know, made out to be more important than the individual. But, you know, in my view, the individual matters more than the economy. Even if it's one person, they matter way more than the national economy. Um, Would you agree with that? Or or I guess is that uh, a too controversial of
1: I don't think it's a controversial view. I think it's it's one of those things, like, I, I mean, when I was doing my studies at A-level, et cetera, I did um, <clears throat> political, I did, well, history and I did politics. So we learned about the British history from 1905 um, until 2010. Um, and how we were split up was economy, um, home front, and then foreign policy that's how it was split up so i think it's it's a case of like we people need to know how the economy works but then it needs to be a case of we need to think of individuals like as you said i don't think that's a controversial view but i just i think a lot of people don't understand how the economy works so then when you talk to them about it they're like oh yeah but this this means that and you're like it doesn't know <laughs> mm-hmm. so I think it's I don't, I don't think that's a controversial kind of opinion I think it's people need to be given um the education um of how economy generally works in in all of its variants um mm-hmm. as like individuals um it doesn't get taught in terms of like for example, tax brackets like you don't know your individual tax brackets or what um your n h uh, s like you know your n h s number but your um national insurance number means or why do you pay so much tax towards this or council tax like these are all individual economy related subjects, but mm. a lot of people don't understand them because mm. they're not taught like and I think when you give power to people in terms of education, I think it would change the game in terms of politically, in terms of like how people would vote. Um, And I think we saw that especially with Corbyn again, um, when he said, let's tax people over this um, who earn this amount. And people took that the wrong way because they thought that they were going to get taxed way more. Mm. And you're like, no. No, that's that's not what we're saying. Like, you would pay, what, like two pound extra? Like, if you earned this much. But people saw 10% and they saw this massive number or whatever it was. And they were like, oh my God, we're going to get taxed this much. And it's like, no. So I don't think that's a controversial view. I think it's just, I think just the education system in this country is fucked yeah. in a way that it just doesn't teach people what they need to know. Like, in the way that they need to know it. It's all kind of like you know. People need to know about politics, like not even just kind of the way that I learned it, which was the right is this and the left is this and the centre is this, because that doesn't help anyone. Just to know right wing, left wing, and central politics, because let's just say it, like you know, Labour is has been pretty much centre. Yeah since it's hit since it began really like even from coming from trade unions and stuff like that like as soon as you had like the first labor prime minister he they were about they were basically center left they haven't really moved further left in a since their origin (laughs) um and i and you know and then you tell people People are like, oh, so the Lib Dems are useless then and they haven't been around. So, well, to, to be honest, if we're going to talk about this, the, the Lib Dems are actually the ones who are more in power than Labor over our whole history. Mm-hmm. Um and being conceptually mixed. But I think the education system needs to needs to teach people how society in England runs. And then once you give people that and give them the, how economy works for them, um, I think how people would vote would change dramatically. Yeah. Like, yeah. Dramatically. Um, because a lot of people... A lot of people, you, you, you say to people, like, I don't know if you find this as well, but you say to people, oh, like, what? You, talk, you start talking about politics and people are like, oh, God. You're, <laughs> like, you're like, huh? <laughs> like, yeah. this thing decides your whole life. Oh. <laughs> and then, that's your reaction. <laughs> like, so, yeah. I, I think it, it needs to change and people need to realise that, um... Uh, it does affect our whole life but that comes back to privilege and if it doesn't affect you then why should you talk about it kind of feel um Mm. so yeah i don't think it's a controversial view i just think it's something that goes back to the whole education system again um, and how and how we teach people and how people want to learn as well um because have I ever used trigonometry since leaving school? No. Could I have known how to do my taxes and how that worked? Probably. So I think this is this is why it needs to change too. Um, really, to be honest.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm in total agreement there. And you know, as you mentioned earlier, there's, you know, we shouldn't restrict ourselves, right, in terms of how we affect that change, right? How we how we go about doing that. Um because you know even even in conversations you know with, with ap- people who are politically apathetic you know people who with whom uh, you know as, as you just gave the example you know you mentioned politics and they sigh and they're like oh, not this again right even with them every single conversation matters right every single conversation matters every single debate every single um, you know piece of information or or story or um, event that you discuss with them, it, matter, it matters. Right, it matters, and I've seen definitely amongst people that the cost of living crisis, you know, whether people are aware of it or not, has definitely taught people a lot about the economy. Right, um, suddenly people who had no idea what inflation was last year very much know what inflation means now. Right, because they've been forced to know. Right, sadly, they've been forced to. To, to have to understand it because you know in, in, well rather than people concerning themselves with inflation inflation has concerned itself with with people right um yep. and you know the, the, i guess that's a contradiction or a um a, a unintended consequence of you know the, the conservative party and its uh you know 12-year assault on the british masses through its austerity programs and now through um the cost of living policy, as you mentioned earlier, right? Because it's let's be real, it, it's a political choice. It's a political policy. It doesn't need to be this bad. Um, I, I'm just shocked that you know we've got this leadership, Liz trust, kind of making everything a hundred percent worse. It, it's actually shocked me that um, this is what you know conservative party members chose to go with. You know, in the middle of possibly the worst economic storm that people. Are going to experience for decades, but um, but yeah, I guess we can leave that for for another chat. It's been good <laughs> having you on today.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been great uh, chatting with yourself as well. Um, obviously, probably do more of these. I'm um, well up for it, and uh, I think these are discussions that definitely need to to happen. Um, through like a um, a lot of different people, because as you said, it, it's just great to talk with people and get where they're where they're going and what they're doing and um have these conversations because without these conversations uh it's hard to be a in in that kind of progressive movement forward. So mm. yeah, no, it's been great to be on. Um,
0: I definitely agree with you, Dan. Thanks for being on as well. You know, for sharing your um, expertise as well as your experience. As again, as a former, um, uh, I'm going to call you a politician. It sounds a bit weird, but no, I don't guess, say you know.
1: that about me. <laughs> even... No, no, no. <laughs>
0: But yeah you know also as a you know as an activist as a um campaign on the ground as someone who's you know who's gone to several political events including trade union values it's been great having your um opinion and perspective and yeah we'll definitely have you on again um soon and yeah thanks thanks for listening uh for anyone who has listened all the way um i'm gonna make sure i link in oscar's uh social media profiles um in the the uh, bio below. Uh, make sure you give Oscar a follow um, on Twitter. Especially Oscar always shares their great insights. Um, and yeah, just just um, just give him love. Give him a lot of support. A lot of uh, give give him give him your wisdom. Give him your time. <laughs> give him your energy. Um, and I'm sure that uh, you'll learn as much from from my guests as I have. Uh, thank you very much for listening and hope you'll tune into the next episode of A Conversation With.